Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Chronicles chapter 8? <clears throat> I'm going to go right through this list of uh, genealogies here. And then I have a few bullet points that I want to make at the end of this pertinent to the overall study because we're studying the rest of the tribes here that make up the nation of Israel. God willing, next Wednesday, we uh, will, it'll shift gears just a little bit. We will be in a a summarization in chapter 9 which will take us to Saul a, a brief study of Saul's reign in 1 Chronicles here and then the death of Saul and at that point it moves into that's chapter 9 chapter 10 then it moves into uh, the reign of David and it's at that point that we'll begin to combine our study in 2 Samuel with 1 Chronicles. Again, we should be reminded that the chronicler, now these genealogies would have required a lot of research. This was post-exile, so the chronicler probably Ezra, would have been in the newly rebuilt Jerusalem or in the process of being rebuilt Jerusalem where they were also going to rebuild the temple. He had various sources that he used prior to the exile the primary resource would have been the temple, probably, for the genealogies. But since the exile, those genealogies were scattered. And so he would depend on family records. And he would depend on, of course, the temple records that had been restored as far as possible and military census that had been taken. Also, the point is that we have been meticulously taken through every generation of humanity, starting with Adam, all the way through. And there were, there were no, notations here and there, we'll see a couple of them here, about something that would have been significant in the day regarding the genealogies and then the contribution of those notations would have, would have made us realize that this was something important in the development of the nation. And finally, it leads us to King David in First, in first Chronicles, as well as in Second Samuel. Covenant with King David being, extreme, being an extremely part of uh, an extremely important part of Bible study because of what God promised regarding the throne of David. Uh, 
and the son of David. So this is all very important. And another and a final thing that I'll say here about this is, and I've said it probably every week, God never lost sight or never laid aside his focus on bringing the Christ of God into the world physically to finally accomplish the salvation and redemption of his people, of course, through the Christ of God. And all of these genealogies have something to do with that. Now, Judah's genealogy is the one of the king. We've talked about that. And then it takes us again to David. All of these other genealogies of the other tribes have contributed in very important ways. The covenant that God had with his people Israel not only involves the promise of a kingdom, it also promises the land. So the land is a very important part of the covenant. Now, why is that? There's never, since God made his covenant with Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, there's never been a generation of people who could not identify those of the bloodline of Israel, and most especially and namely the Jews. It's proof that God, even though, even though there has been unmitigated attack today, yesterday, tomorrow, all the way until Christ comes and is enthroned in Jerusalem, and all the way back to before they were given their land in 1948, given their land back in 1948, all of the years, of course, God dispersed them as punishment for their idolatry and their sin. But they never lost their identity. So God makes the point, number one, that he knows where his people are all the time, how they have contributed to the promise of the Christ, even the other tribes besides Judah, because of the importance of how they had settled and secured the land and secured those who indeed were carrying the promise. We've seen in the military census, for example, the warriors, those who could fight in special ways. We'll, we may, I think we we'll see more tonight. And they were there, uh, finally, uh, as through, the, gener through the, gener uh, the generations, the genealogies, finally, that uh, inherited warrior spirit and warrior skill will be seen as those who will surround and protect David and Jerusalem. So it all works together. And then finally, in the dispersion, the disport of the dispersion, and then the regathering in 1948, is a continual reminder that God has promised the world that these people, from the time that he established a covenant with them, will always be here. I can look back over the table of nations and I've told you this before, but it's something that really sticks in my mind. I was, I was pastor of a church and it had a nice modern sanctuary and it had refurbished rooms, but the building itself 
was a very old building. Now the Sunday school office probably had been the Sunday school office since Noah came off the ark. On the wall was a huge map of the world. That map predated World War I. So you can imagine, nobody would recognize any of those nations that were on that map. Hardly. Some of them were still the same nations, but the world has changed a dozen times since that map. Not so long ago, not so many decades ago, the collapse of the Soviet Union, which rewrote the map again, and there's no telling how many more times the map will be rewritten, the map of the Gentile nations, and how the maps could have looked in, in, in centuries gone by. But since God has established his covenant with Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob, the Jew has always been there. He hasn't always been in his land, but he was told that because of his sin, he would be dispersed and he would lose the land. That was even a promise that God made to the people back in Deuteronomy when they were making their exodus and headed toward the promised land. You mess up and worship other gods, you're going to lose the land. And it's the plushest land in the world. But the Jew has always been there. And it is, it, it is to underscore the power of the purpose and word of God. Now, God has always known where these people were so that, you know, um, a Jew, there are some pretty wide gaps after the defeat of the Northern Kingdom uh, back in what, the 8th century BC or so. There are some pretty wide gaps in the genealogies of the other, of the 10 Northern tribes. But not, not so much so with those in uh, Judah. So today, a Jew could probably reasonably see his genealogy. Of course, he could with certain gaps in it. Back to the time of, of Abraham. And God has especially and particularly and meticulously kept up with all of them and has known how they have contributed by his, through his power, through his sovereign will, how they have contributed to the work, plan, and purpose of God. So when we, you know, the, the, we, again, I say we just can't see these as endless. Now, this is going from generation to generation to generation to generation. Had these many sons and the eldest son had these sons and these sons. And it just so happens that this guy was the head of his family household in that time. And during that time, certain things happened. And it contributed in a very special way to the history of the people. And, and it was something that was needed in the day when it happened. So with all that in mind, let's just go through the list again. And this is the last of the lists like this that we'll study in First Chronicles. There's still some genealogists to look at but it has a different flavor in chapter nine. Okay, here we go. 
So now we're to the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin begot Bala his firstborn, Ashbel the second, Ara the third, Noha the fourth, Rapha the fifth. Bilah had sons, Adar, Gera, and Abihud, and Abishua, and Naaman, and Ahua, and Gera, and Shephufen, and Huram. And these were the sons of Ehud. These are the heads of the father's houses of the inhabitants of Giba. And they exiled them to Manahat. Very important thing that happened along the way so that the people would understand how these people got there and why these people are over there and who was in charge during that time. Here, here it is. So they could even understand their maps better, why people were where they were. And Naaman and Ahia and Gerahi exiled them. And he begot Uzzah and Ahishud. And Shaharaim begot in the field of Moab since he sent them away. Hushim and Ba'ara were his wives. And from Hodesh, his wife, he begot Jobab, Zabiah and Mesha and Malcham, and Jeuz and Shachiah, or Shachiah, Shachiah, and Mermah. These are his sons and the heads of the father's houses. So these people would have had an important uh, place of, of leadership. And in their history, they could go back and see why things happened the way they did. And from Hushim, he begot Abitub and Elpaal. The sons of Elpaal, Eber and Misham and Shemed, he built Ono and Lod and its villages, and Beria and Shema. They were the heads of the fathers' houses of the inhabitants of Ajalon, and they put the inhabitants of Gath to flight. So along the way at that period of time, here is why certain victories were won. These are the guys that did it, and this is how it developed. And Achio, Shashach, Jeremot, and Zabadia, and Arad, and Eder, Michael, and Ishpa, and Joha, the sons of Beria, and Zabadia, and Mashulam, and Hizki, and Heber, and Ishmirai, and Islia, and Jobab, the sons of Elpaal, Jachim, Zikri, and Zabdi, and Elianai, and Zilatai, and Eliel. Another thing to note is that in so many, well, I'll point it out here, okay, Adaya. You see the A-H there? That is a play on the name of Yahweh, Yah, Yahweh, God, God's name. And another one, Bariah, Shimrat, the sons of Shimei, Ishpan, Eber, and Eliel. Now, see Eliel? The suffix, uh, suffix L, that's another play on the name of God. Here, the point is that in every generation, the people remembered God. They knew to whom they belonged and whom they served. And they wrote it in the names of their children along the way. Abdon, Zikri, Hanan, Hanania, Elam, and Anatayah. And Ifdia and Penuel, the sons of Shashak, Shamshirai and Shiharai and Atalia and Jaareshia and Elia or Elijah, Zikri, the sons of Jerham. These are the heads of the fathers' houses to their generations. 
the heads, these dwelt in Jerusalem. Now, why does he say that? The time comes when people begin to migrate to the north and become aligned with some of those who would be called the northern tribes. Not Judah, but certain of other tribes. And it is to note here, and, and we're, in, we're in Benjamin thing, right? So the heads of fathers has to their generation, the heads dwelt in Jerusalem. There's a point to be made at the end of all this, so we keep this in mind, that these are the Benjamites, the heads of the houses and so forth, dwelt in Jerusalem. And then Gibeon dwelt the leader of Gibeon, and his wife's name was Meachah. And his firstborn son was Abdon, and Zur, and Kish, and Baal, and Nadab. Now that's a bad name, Baal. And Gedor, and Ahio, and Zakir, and Michloth begot Shema, and they too, opposite their brethren, dwelt in Jerusalem with their brethren. Important point. And there begot Kish, Kish begot Saul, Saul begot Jonathan, and Malkitshua, and Abinadab, and Eshbaal. So we're, we're down to King Saul here, okay? He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Jonathan's son was Meribaal, and Meribaal begot Micah, or we call him Micah, and the sons of Micah, Pithon and Melech and Tariah and Ahaz. And Ahaz begot Jehoada, and Jehoada begot Alimet, and Azmaveth, and Zimri, and Zimri begot Moza, and Moza begot Binah, and Rapha his son, Elasa his son, Azel his son. And Azel had six sons, and these are their names. Azrikam, his firstborn, Ishmael, Sheiria, and Obadiah. We call him Obadiah. And Hanan, all these were the sons of Azel and the sons of Ashech, his brother. Ulam, his firstborn, Jeush, the second. Elephelet, the third. And the sons of Ulam were mighty, here we go, were mighty warriors who draw the bow. Now this gets us down to the time of David. Were mighty warriors who draw the bow. With many children and grandchildren, 150, all these were the sons of Benjamin. There's a point, now remember, certain of them in, in, in the Benjamites, it was, it was pointed out. They were in Jerusalem. They, they were the heads of their households. They were in Jerusalem. So keep that in mind. And let's make several bullet points here that maybe help us in the understanding of the nation of Israel, the settlement of it, the, the work of it. The present survey here that we looked at of Benjamin included a number of geographical markers, and it should be noted that several of these towns are listed in the post-exilic lists of returnees and settlement patterns that are specified in Ezra and Nehemiah. So nothing was lost there, even in exile. Some of these cities associated with the tribe of Benjamin were originally part of the tribal inheritance of Dan. All of this suggests that a certain degree of fluidity regarding the geographical extent of, uh, suggests a certain degree of fluidity regarding the geographical extent of the tribal boundaries. Okay. Back when we studied Joshua, here were the 12 tribes. Some of them wanted to stay on that side of the Jordan. Okay, you can have this area from here to here. 
all the way to the Jordan. You can have that area from there to there. They cross. And then as they begin to defeat the people, at the end of it all, Joshua says, okay, this tribe from here to here, and they have their own designated places. And the Levites, as we have seen, had their designated parcels within the lands of the other tribes. They didn't have their own land, but they could be scattered among uh, the tribes and they had cities that were their own. Did it always stay just like that? Well, from what we've re read and from what we've seen with geographical references in these, in these genealogies, not really. It didn't really just stay that, that uh, specific. As, as what we learned here about Dan, his tribal inheritance, uh, part of his tribal inheritance went over to Benjamin. We're going to see more about that as we get into these points that are made or to be made here. The chronicler's treatment of the line of Benjamin ends with a focus on the family line that will both culminate in and proceed from Saul in order to set up the chronicler's summary of the kingship of Saul. We get to that in chapter 10. The genealogy of the family line of Saul focuses on two cities, Gibeon and Jerusalem. Home place and new place where he would, from which he would reign. The double mention of the city of Jerusalem within the genealogy of Benjamin may be a subtle connection with the notion of the Saulite and Benjamite versus the Davidic and Judahite kingship as Jerusalem is listed among the tribal inheritance of both Benjamin and Judah. I told you back, okay, we're going to think about this because some of the heads of households of, of, of certain people in Benjamin's tribe stayed in Jerusalem. So here, uh, Benjamin and Judah begin to amalgamate in a sense. Benjamin more and more identifies with Judah so that when we come to the time that there's a division and there's a northern kingdom of Israel with Samaria as the capital, Judah, the southern kingdom, with Jerusalem as its capital, where the temple was and where the son of David reigned as king, Benjamin, for the most part, identified with, with, uh, with Jerusalem and with, with Judah. So that's an important thing to take note of. In, in studying the scriptures. The double mention, uh, in here, okay, I wanted to point out the contrast, the sharp contrast is made in the genealogies and it will continue. We'll have to go through chapter nine and get into chapter 10 to see the, the finality of the contrast. But the contrast is made between King Saul, who's a Benjamite, and then King David, who's a Judahite. Now remember, Judah is the, is the one of the 12 sons who carried the promise of royalty, of the Christ. So in reality, I mean, it, it, it could have never worked for Saul, according to the word of God. Benjamin played a leading role in Israel, joining with Judah. Along with the relatives of Saul, Benjamin is among those who support David's rise to kingship. We'll get to that, God will, in 1 Chronicles 12. In Chronicles, Benjamin is more closely associated with Judah than with the northern tribes. I've already said that. 
But that's an important thing to take note of because the 10 northern tribes just sort of get lost. The lost tribes of Israel, the 10 northern tribes. Final note, Benjamin, Judah, and Levi remained loyal to Jerusalem and the temple during the crisis of Jeroboam and the separation of the northern tribes. That would have been the first Jeroboam. That comes in Second Chronicles. But this is when... Uh, uh, this is when Israel, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, wasn't a real good leader. He didn't make good decisions, but God had already prophesied that because of Solomon's sins, he would divide the kingdom, but he wouldn't do it while Solomon was alive for the sake of his father, David. So he did it with Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And the guy that was his nemesis was Jeroboam. And the final separation of the northern tribes. Uh, so for the chronicler, the ideals that were established during the time of David and Solomon continued throughout this time. But the chronicler consistently mentions Benjamin's involvement with Judah. So when the time comes and we have a southern kingdom of Judah, it includes, for the most part, um, the tribe of Benjamin. Something that... Uh, and, and also... A great, a great um, presence of Levi. Well, the Levites were the priests. Jerusalem had the temple. The temple required the priesthood. So Benjamin, Judah, Levi remained loyal to Jerusalem and to the temple, even during the time when the northern tribes separated from Judah and Benjamin. Okay, we'll stop there. I hope that enlightened you somewhat. And um, all comes together in chapter 9, moving into chapter 10.